Hey everyone, welcome to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. I'm your host, Meg Ricci. I'm a women's integrative health practitioner and acupuncturist. I am also a nutrition, hormone, and lifestyle counselor and a virtual health detective. I am working with women around the country. I have a large, lovely concentration of clients in the Southeast. So I want to give a shout out to uh, Charleston, Atlanta. I want to give a shout out to Austin and my lovely gals out in LA and Portland and Seattle. I hope you guys are doing well out there. Sending you a lot of love, a lot of grace. And also a special shout out to my hometown peeps in New York City and in D.C. And uh, my guest, who I will introduce in a few minutes, is from New York City and a dear friend and colleague. And I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. So this podcast series is about demystifying women's hormonal issues and struggles and everything that dances in between. And we are going to talk about water and hydration and why is such a large portion of us in the United States uh, struggling with low hydration, dehydration issues. And the title of today's episode, Why Does Dehydration Impact 75% of Americans and How Do We Quench the Problem? I have an amazing guest and... uh, She is an expert in this area of hydration, and her name is Dr. Dana Cohen. She has written a book. The title is called Quench. It's all about hydration. So she is going to talk about the ins and outs of this area, and we will take a deep dive together and a deeper understanding and respect of how sacred water is in all its forms. Water is quite possibly the single most important substance, the most important element on this planet. It's essential nutrient that we consume every day. We know so little about it. And we can survive for weeks without food, but we would not survive beyond seven days without water. Our organs and our bodily systems would shut down. And the flip side of that is that if you're drinking too much water, You could be flushing out valuable electrolytes and vital minerals and nutrients. And so many of us are dehydrated. And part of this dehydration issue has so much to do with our diet. It is lacking moisture. And an example of that is the standard American diet. It is void of fruits and vegetables. So we are Dana Cohen and I will be exploring the world of hydration And I'm delighted to have her here today. She is an internist practicing integrative medicine for over two decades in New York City. Again, she's the co-author of an amazing book. And I mean this, I could not put this book down. She co-authored this book with Gina Bria, and Dana will tell us more about Gina. But this book is based on new science in the field of hydration. Quench debunks many popular myths about getting enough water and offers a revolutionary five-day jumpstart plan that shows how better hydration can reduce or eliminate ailments like chronic weight gain, gut pain, autoimmune issues, chronic headaches, fatigue, insomnia. It has tremendous influence on type 1 and type 2 diabetes, insulin resistance, and hypertension. Again, we're going to take a deep dive into this. So many health issues where we look at gluten sensitivity and we look at sugar and maybe not enough exercise. 
but proper hydration is so overlooked. So we're going to move beyond the eight glasses of water, and we're going to look at the big picture. And at this time, Dana, I want to welcome you to the Hormone Lifestyle Zone. So excited to talk about this topic. Thank you, Meg. So I want to share a little about Dana before we go into this. Dana, when I was going through my COVID experience and had a relapse, it was Dr. Cohen that I mentioned in the past, probably last two podcasts, who I reached out to. And when I had that relapse, I had difficulty breathing and I was on inhalers. And I called Dana and I said, I want to do IV drips. What do you recommend? How do I go about this? And she was the one that recommended the uh, glutathione push with a Myers cocktail, which was magnesium, vitamin C, and B vitamins. And after one session, my breathing improved by 75% and went on to do a series of a few sessions completely back to normal. And I so cannot thank you enough, Dana. Oh, my goodness. So I... I mean, I love Dana because we have history together. I've I've known you for uh, 13 years. We met at a workshop in New York yep. City, and I love your passion about health. And over the years, we've worked together to help so many women go on to have healthy babies. Dana, uh, being an integrative and functional medicine doc and a specialist in thyroid and has helped so many women with unexplained fertility issues and gut issues and autoimmune. Yeah. So. She's a dear soul sister and amazing practitioner. And now we're going to talk about quench you, and hydration. So um, the first question I'm going to ask, what led you to explore hydration? How did you pick that topic? Well, you know, having worked for some pretty remarkable, having some amazing mentors in my life, one being Dr. Atkins, that's how I started this whole career. Um, and always sort of knowing I have to write a book, right? I've, I've just, you, in order to have a platform in this field, you need to write a book. So now I'm, I'm 15 years into my career and I'm like, I got to write a book. And I, I just honestly, I didn't write a, want to write another hormone book. I didn't want to write another thyroid book because the, the right. problem is you got to go see a doctor. You got to get blood tests. You know, it's, it's, that's what I know about thyroid. It's a very specific thing. Like, yes, I think there's tons of information there, but there's a lot of great books out there already on that topic. And one day, Gina Bria, my co-author, calls me and she was uh, referred by another patient. And she says, I work for the Hydration Foundation. Can I come in and talk to you about some of the work that we're doing? And Honestly, I thought she was going to try to sell me a a water filter, <laughs> you know, like a Ponzi water <laughs> filter. Yeah, I really right. did. But I remember <laughs> the person who was who referred her to me. I, I like I love, and I was like, sure, come on in. And so I braced myself and I said, come in on a lunch hour. And she came in and sat in front of me and started to tell me about the work of Dr. Pollock, which I had never heard of. Gerald Pollock is a, the, one of the world's leading water researchers in Seattle and University of Washington in Seattle. And she tried to tell me about his work and it literally blew my mind. Like I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, what are you telling me? So I'll just come right off the bat and say, we've all know that water exists in three forms, liquid, ice, and vapor. Well, what Dr. Pollock is saying that there's a fourth form of water that's been discovered. And I was like, just as a scientist, we think we know everything. And then something crazy like this pops up. <laughs> and, right. um, and this fourth phase is also known as gel water or structured water. And we can get into exactly what that means, but you know, mind-blowing information. And then she also told me that she had done her research. Her She's an anthropologist. She had done her 
I think her master's research on how desert people hydrate. And when you put the two together, think about desert plants, aloe and cactus. And when you open up an aloe leaf, there's all this gel that flows out. And and so desert people hydrate differently than us. They certainly don't go around drinking eight glasses of water a day in a little plastic water bottle and they front load their water. And so I just remember sitting... And I want to talk about that, bring that back up. People may not, I mean, that's that's huge. And so she sat, she's sitting in front of me and I just, I stopped and I said, oh my God, Gina, I have been searching for my book for 15 years. Do you want to write this book with me? I said, I know the importance of hydration. You know, when a patient sits in front of me, I ask about hydration. I ask about what are you eating? I get very specific. You know, what are you drinking with lunch? You know, but never really putting all the emphasis on hydration. And she said, yes. And it was never even meant to be taught. She wanted to talk to me about the work of the Hydration Foundation and it just, it just clicked. And so that was now going on five or six years ago that we sat down and we started to do the research and never in a million years did I think how, number one, how difficult and confusing and, you know, just the, the research on water is and water and hydration was very limited. And I was, and there were times I'm like, Oh my God, what did I get myself into? <laughs> but we got through it and, and we wrote this really powerful book. And I think, and I know it's helped many people. I've been, I get lots of email back that this has changed my life. And I now am very committed to getting the word out that, and, and I need this to be very clear hydration, proper hydration, knowing what that is, is the single most important thing you can do to treat and prevent chronic illness, period, hands down. I'm excited about that because when you started talking about type 1 diabetes, and I really want you to get it, and and type 1, type 2, but also clotting issues. And what, you know, and I love your story, that case study about the the flight attendant. And then you took that deep dive into, uh, again, the clotting and how our blood, I I want you to talk about that because I think that's, that's important for people to understand. And and fatigue. Yeah. So there's, you know, so let's, let's start from the very basics. We know that this, you know, dehydration mm-hmm. can lead to headaches, can lead to, you know, fatigue, constipation, dry skin, like all of those things everybody right. really sort of knows about. I just want to also differentiate that when we're talking about, when I'm talking about dehydration, I'm not talking about overt dehydration where you need to go to the hospital and get an IV. Right. I'm talking about this low grade day in, by the hour, literally, day in, day out, that we need to address because none of us are doing it right, including me. I just moved my house and there were some days where I was physically exhausted and I was like, oh my God, I didn't, I didn't drink today. I didn't do enough today to keep me hydrated. Yeah. And I was, I was physically sick and sore and pain from it. you know. And I think that hydration, it honestly needs to be something that you address every single day. And it needs to become part of your life as, as nutrition is as well. And learning how to do that correctly is, is what we try to teach you in the book. And unfortunately, there's no single test that you can look at for this low grade, what I call subclinical, meaning there's, there's not Mm -hmm. that many great signs to show you what that subclinical, you know, it has to be something where when you are properly hydrated, you know what it feels like to feel terrific in your body. And that's what you strive for on a day in and day out basis. And what I see, and you do too, is you get these individuals, you know, you look at their intake forms and they're drinking massive quantities of water, they're peeing all night and they're constantly thirsty. Yeah. Um, That's the thing, especially like I'm assuming, I have a feeling that your listeners are probably really health conscious, 
individuals. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff that I'm going to say may be a little bit, you know, preach into the choir kind of thing. But I will say some of your listeners are probably over drinking because they are so health conscious. Yes. Let's start with the eight glasses of water a day. First of all, mm-hmm. that comes from nowhere. Much like the food pyramid came from nowhere, it came from a group of nutritionists sitting around discussing it, no research. The eight glasses of water a day came from nowhere. And how can oh, wow. yeah, how can a, you know a six foot four basketball <laughs> player drink eight glasses and a five foot one, you know, person? Right. So it's it's just it's ridiculous. It doesn't make any sense. But what about an ounce of water for half your body weight? So if, if you weigh 200 pounds, yeah. 100 ounces of water. A little bit better. Right. Still not Th- perfect. Those are good. Because yeah. what about that person who's on a ketogenic diet and you're in ketosis? You need probably about 75 to 80% of water in ounces of your weight. You know, there there are other, there's lots of, of factors that the one thing I ask people is you have to live in your body. You know, we're all cut off from our necks down and we don't feel our bodies anymore. We've, we've just, I'm just going to give you a really prime example. We, we ignore our thirst even like we've learned to ignore our thirst because we, we have to work, we have to be at the office all day and we don't want to, you know, we we literally learn how to switch off that thirst mechanism. We need to learn. and, And by the way, if you're thirsty, you're a little too far gone <laughs> already. Like, you know, on the water scale, you need to have hydrated better. We don't want to be thirsty. You know, we're, we're just, if you learn to live in your body and know what it feels like to feel properly hydrated, you'll have less fatigue, less joint ache, less headaches, better bowel movements. Um, a really good rule of thumb is that we're meant to get up and urinate every two or three hours. Um, I don't know too many people who do that. You know, we sit at our office for sometimes eight hours. <laughs> I do. And it's interesting. I just want to touch uh, base on the fact that about what you were saying about hydration. I had to sit in a car. I drove back from Atlanta. (laughs) It was like a five and a half hour drive in like treacherous rain. Did I drink water? Not enough. And and I was super achy and I was incredibly dehydrated when I got home. I didn't feel good. So Imagine, so number one, you should be stopping every two hours just to move. Number one, when you're taking those long drives, you need to like make frequent pit stops, like just, just factor it in, let alone for the movement part of it all. But movement we'll talk about too, or we can talk about now is a hydrating act. Yes. Talk about (laughs) it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So this is, this is another sort of aha, mind blowing thing to me in the book. And I will tell you, you as a acupuncturist, body worker, know this better than any doctor, any physician. So basically what we've discovered, not, not me personally, doctors, scientists Mm. have discovered that, um, and this is a very big sort of, uh, buzzword now is that fascia is a, a, a conduction system. It conducts electricity, but it also moves water or fluid through the body, which is really fascinating because before that, we only thought that w- fluid gets moved via blood and lymph, right? So, but the fascia, which is this connective tissue that connects every cell and every organ, it's this very intricate webbing all over our body, literally is acts as a hydraulic pump. And so when you bob your neck, your head up and down saying, yes, you're moving fluid in and out of your brain. When you you know, do curls with your arms, you're moving fluid to the periphery. So yet another reason why sitting is the new smoking, because you're squelching yes. delivery of hydration to the periphery. 
So when you're in a car for five and a half hours, you need to make more frequent stops, get up, move that fluid around, move, you know, one of the reasons why movement is yeah. so important. Yes. In Chinese medicine, we relate the, the fascia to the triple heater. And what I found really interesting, the director of my school at the time was Dr. Mark Seam, who's brilliant acupuncturist. And he always said, and I, I, you know, I attended a school that was about myofascial mm -hmm. release yeah. and not just dry needling. He said, once you free up the fascia, you free up circulation, you free up digestion, you free up everything in the body so the chi can move. Yeah. yeah. The lymphatic system, the blood, everything. Yes. And that is why movement and acupuncture and all of this the, the, it plays such an important role. And in, in our order health. to do that, you need to be properly hydrated. Yes. <laughs> and and the wonderful thing, people are like, well, how do I get hydrated? We we will we'll talk about that. So I, I find what is interesting, and maybe you can share the story about, and I forgot the name of the tribe, yeah. the runners that would do 50-mile marathon runs for fun. Yeah, the Tarahumara tribe. The Tarahumara. Yeah. They, um, there's a great book, if anybody's interesting, it, interested, it's called Born to Run. I'm blanking on the author's name. Mm. It's a great book, Born to Run. And he talks about this tribe, um, and it's a known thing, a lot of, and this is Gina's you know, anthropological yeah. work, where yeah. these elite distance runners literally would run and they're desert they're desert dwellers by the way they're deserts of of Mexico outside of Mexico and they would run 50 mile marathons on basically chia seeds so they would keep chia seeds in their pockets and soak and suck on chia seeds and have very little not a, they don't need a lot of water to do that and it's fascinating and so people who have soaked chia seeds and made chia pudding and all this stuff you will know that when you put add uh, fluid to chia seeds, it, you get this little gel coating. That gel mm -hmm. is loaded with structured water or gel water or easy water is what Dr. Pollock calls it. Mm -hmm. It stands for exclusionary zone water. And that water is the kind of water that gets into your cells. It soaks up. It also brings fluid with it because it acts like a sponge and it hydrates your cells better than just plain, what we call bulk water or just plain water. And not only that, the fat in chia seeds, the chia seeds are loaded with parent omega-3s like ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, linoleic acid, mm -hmm. which is our parent omega-3 fatty acids. We need those. We also right. need them for hydration, by the way. So our cells mm -hmm. have these pores. They're literally called aquaporins. And that's how water gets into the cell through these, these cellular pathways that are lined with fat. You know, they're lined. And so we need healthy fat and we need water in order to be hydrated properly. So chia seeds are really the sort of the star of the show in, in Quench. If you haven't played around with chia seeds, they're, a, they're truly a superfood. Well, I, it's funny. I have um, been making nut butters for yeah. years and have always put chia seeds yeah. in them. And now since you've emphasized it, I put more chia yeah. seeds in like my walnut yeah. butter. That's um, fantastic. Because it's, yeah. I bet that tastes great. Yeah, it's really good. Um, it's really, I want to just say one thing about chia awesome. seeds too. And some people may be sensitive to lectins. Lectins are found in beans. And if you don't soak them, you're not getting rid of those lectins. So some people may need to soak their chia seeds overnight. So making like a good chia pudding or just soak them is a good way to get rid of those lectins. Great information. Yeah. That, thank you for sharing that. 
I thought it was really interesting how you were saying in the book, plants uh, may be the most efficient way to hydrate and more so than, and fully more so than tap water. And I want to talk about that. But what I, when I hear that, what I think of is if you put a plant in a, in dirt without any gravel or something to hold it, the water is just going to fall out. And that I think goes for us as humans, you know, drinking tap water is so, it's void of minerals. And I'd love for you to talk more yeah. about that and our oh, diet. By the way, I love that. I love that visualization. I think that's a really, it's great. Yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah. So if the one thing we try to teach people in this book is that we are, so first of all, we're more like plants than we know. There's actually been some, some very interesting research that comes out that, that we as human beings need water, we need greens, we need chlorophyll, and we need sunlight to create energy. That is photosynthesis, right? So we are very much yes, profound. It, yeah, there's a lot of mind-blowing like things that we threw in this book that that if you take the time to read it and really understand it, you're uh, it's mind-blowing. It's just mind-blowing. And this is all really new research like within over the last less mm-hmm. than 10 years and there's still stuff coming out. So going back to the to the idea of eating your water, that's the big that's the other big idea in this book. Eating your water yeah. is is the way to go. That is the most hydrating way. So how do we get structured water into our cells? We want to eat structured water by eating plants, right? So a very plant-centric mm-hmm. diet, and when I'm not talking vegan. If you are vegan, that's okay. If you're keto, that's okay. But we need plants in our diet. We need more plants, yes. um, greens specifically. And the, the problem is there's no, I can't say to you, I can't give you a research that says what I'm going to say to you right now, except that I know, know it to be true. And this is what I want to say. A green smoothie, meaning blended greens in a blender with a little bit of water just to get those greens blended. And then whatever else you put in there, like chia and ginger and lemon, whatever else you want to add in there. One glass of that green smoothie with, with a little bit of water is probably three times more hydrating at a cellular level than the same amount of of just plain water, because it's it it's acts like a sponge. It it absorbs better and it gets into your cells better than just plain water. And those that's why going back to that original question, which I I didn't answer earlier, the person who drinks all that water yet is still thirsty can't quench their thirst because they're not doing it right. You know that is the same person right. that. You yep. give them some watermelon to eat because now there's a little bit of fiber. There's some minerals and stuff in there. Mm-hmm. That's way more quenching than just plain water, you know? And that to me is is the gravel in the clay pot for yes. the plant. It's going to hold onto the water as opposed to it just bleeding out through urine. Exactly. And, you know, and I agree with you. I mean, I'm all about a, a 70% plant-based yeah. diet. And for many of the women that I work with, and you see this too, sometimes having raw juice is very difficult because it'll contribute to loose stool and difficult. So I'm very much for soups and stews and cooked vegetables and that sprinkling of ground chia seeds. I I think that's really profound. The stews, by the way, I don't know if you read that, if you remember that in the book, Gina has a great uh, story. I actually think it was her niece, who's also an anthropologist, who did research on this mm -hmm. old pottery that they found. So our ancestors, and I'm talking really old, many, many thousands Mm -hmm. of year old pottery, 
and for I don't know, God, I can't give you the, the science behind it, but they figured that the um, what was left, and when they did the I don't know the dating and what was in the pottery was mm-hmm. leftovers of stews, <laughs> and they made a lot of stews in in our yeah. ancestors and that kind of thing. Stews and pottages are yeah are very interesting. It's easy to digest and yeah. assimilate. I mean, that is such. I, I, what I love about what I do is I have that East meets West. And for me in this world of ketogenic and all these crazy Mm -hmm. diets, I am still one for the stews and soups and cooked and sauteed and steamed green veggies. They're just so easy on the system to digest. And again, you know, people are hydrating. So, but that is so wild about the, the clay pots. It shows the value and importance of something that's yeah, with, stews and with stews. generations. I do want to just I want to just mm-hmm. push back a little bit in saying, you know, I am a firm believer and and we'll go into though the caveats of this, that for people who don't already do this or have never done this, adding one green smoothie a day, and, and once again, a green smoothie is defined by us as blended vegetables you know, blended greens in a blender with water Mm -hmm. and whatever else you want to add to it, but not, Mm -hmm. not milk and not making a, you know, ice cream out of it. You know, I'm talking just a, just a blended green smoothie. Just greens, greens. Absolutely. Um, It's probably the most effective like way to change your life. You know, somebody who's never done it before, if you're listening and you're like, and you're not feeling great and you don't really like try adding a green smoothie a day. Now, the caveat to that is what you're saying. People who can't, who don't do well with raw greens, that's a bit, a bit of a mm-hmm. subset of people. And there's maybe some other underlying thing going on, like what's going mm-hmm. on with your gut, what's going on with your microbiome, you know, th- that has to get healed first. And I promise you, once your gut is, is healed, that you will be able to tolerate raw greens in a smoothie over time. So, yes, yeah, and we could go on. And in Chinese medicine, having a lot of cold isn't good either. So it's the balance of, but I share what you're saying. And if it works for someone, then that's a great way to start. And I, and I, I also agree. I I see people doing these uh, protein shakes in the morning, and they're crashing by mid morning. And there's, we need live stuff in our diet. We do, we do. Can you, you had mentioned that, because you had followed like 400 people in mm-hmm. your practice over what, like a two and a half year yeah, period? Yeah, there's many more. And yeah. many more. Yeah, but at the time yeah. of your book. And I, you know, it's it, what I found interesting. I read some of the reviews and she's, and I heard people say, well, there's no science behind this. You are the science. You're the one that is, you know, you're a pioneer. You're part of that, part of this movement of, information that people yeah. are gathering and that is will be part of you know research and yeah. studies but yeah this is how it all starts out in the beginning you know people are asking for yeah. that research where you're the one that's okay. starting so, it and part of that so movement. first of all the book is incredibly well researched you know there yeah it's I very it grounded is. in I science the things that yes. um that i've said um and i'm very careful about what i say like i had to you know i had to push back even with gina i was like yeah. nope can't say that can't say that but the things that, you know, there's a, there's clinical judgment and then there's, there's, you know, double blind placebo controlled trials. And, and then there's other kind of trials and it's very well researched. The things about the structured water and all of Pollock's research, the research about type two diabetes and this low grade dehydration, which we, we can get back to and Alzheimer's being 
this low-grade dehydration being a risk factor for Alzheimer's, type 2 diabetes, certain cancers, that's all incredibly well-researched. That's not... The problem is, and and I don't think it'll ever be researched, is um, how do we measure low-grade or subclinical dehydration and be able to say like, oh, here you go, you're optimally hydrated, goodbye, you know, here's the test. You know, That's what I yeah. was trying to get to. There's yes. just no way, and, and there and, never will be. But now, with that being said, there are some some little, and you may even be familiar with this because um, mm-hmm. I have a feeling you might have even had. Do you remember the old BIA machines from Metagenics? Oh God, yeah. yes, so, yes, yes. Right, I had one, right? And actually, you know, they weren't perfect, but there was something in mm-hmm. that in that BIA that would measure your phase angle of your cell. And and that mm-hmm. very well may pan out to be a very, you know, that's basically that measures the health of your cell. And that's a really simple test that could be something. It's not going to, it's not the perfect test, but that could be something because I think if you could do some pre and post things of uh, pre and post hydration and then um, repeat this, the, the phase angle, it might prove to be a little bit better. But that's sort of going out on a, mm-hmm. on, a, on a tangent, and that's you know. But that's really it as far as the science. There's there will never be a double blind placebo controlled trial that says how you know how much water can you drink, how much food do you need to, how much vegetables do you need to eat. It's it's just mm-hmm. impossible. That's why there's never been any studies on the food pyramid on any of this stuff. You know, it's it's really hard to uh, because everybody you can't eat the same thing day in and day out and be perfect at it. Yeah. So. So I would love for you to talk about how hydration impacts blood sugar, type one, type two diabetes, insulin. I I want you to talk about Alzheimer's and cognitive issues and hydration. That is, and also what you said about clotting issues. Well, I mean, the clotting is, is, uh, it's so simple. I mean, when, you know, when our blood is thick, we, you know, it, it become it's just more likely to clot so that, you know, we want nice, thin, and it was actually Steven Sinatra who, um, who really sort mm-hmm. of turned me on to that whole clotting thing. He's a, he's a holistic cardiologist who I just adore. People don't follow him. He's fantastic. So the clotting stuff is, is sort of a, a, a very common sense thing. As far as the diabetes, um, honestly, more, we talk more about type two diabetes than type one, um, because type one, I'm not a specialist in it's, it's, is sort of a whole entity in its, on its own. But let me just take one step back. And we now know that Alzheimer's is being called type three diabetes because there is such a relationship yes. to type two diabetes and blood sugar with Alzheimer's, right? So if you link those two together, what is happening is when we are day in and day out, this low-grade subclinical dehydration, the brain is the first to be preserved in anything, right? So when we are dehydrated, our brain takes all the hydration first and everything else gets sacrificed for that. And with that being said, there, there are, there's a whole cascade of events where um, our blood sugar rises and when we're dehydrated, and then it sets off a whole cascade of insulin resistance. And it's, it's, it's that simple. And in a day in, day out, this is when I said hour by hour kind of thing, when you're bombarded with this hyperglycemia, these little high blood sugar all day long, you're setting yourself up to be at risk for insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes later in life. 
That is yeah. profound. Yeah. Very interesting. Really, really powerful. Interesting. No, I, I never, I never heard that until I, I, I yeah. read your book, and I went, "Why isn't anyone having this conversation?" It's re- once again, it is really upstream. So you want to think about root cause. This once again, the first step to treating and preventing, and in my belief, any chronic illness is is becoming properly hydrated. You know, and nobody is. We're all looking. We're all looking a little bit further downstream because proper hydration. Mm-hmm is also a reflection of your diet, sure. plant-based. I mean, so when people go, well, wait a minute, I'm drinking water, and I, w- I really want to emphasize, emphasize this, you will be properly hydrated, or at least you're at, at, at a greater advantage of that if you have a plant-based diet. Yeah, plant-centric. Or yeah. you're plant-centric, yes. yes. So again, lean protein, a lot of vegetables, the the you know having a green juice i really love that you brought that up i think it's powerful mm-hmm. i think that is a very powerful step for people to implement on a daily basis i'm going to do yeah. the same thing yeah. and i'll i'm going to let you know because i'm all about longevity and optimal health but again that is so the water the hydration is uh, is reflective of our uh, what we're eating yeah Please continue because I think that's important for people to remember. Yeah, eating your water. <laughs> that's what eating, eating your, your water. water. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Eating I'm your water. I'm going to go a little bit further, and this is not in the book. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, this is mm-hmm. this is something I'm not quite an expert in just yet. But there is mm-hmm. research coming mm-hmm. out that we actually only really maybe even need one glass of water a day to survive, if if we're doing it right, and. <laughs> And if there's this thing called deuterium depleted water, which is deuterium is this, uh, it's a hydrogen isotope, it's heavy hydrogen. And it, it is, uh, but once again, I'm, I'm sort of talking above my knowledge level yeah, right now. If, yeah. And, and, and yeah, most it's people. It's so fascinating I, I think, though, but the fact that maybe only one glass of water, if we're eating correctly, is all we need, yeah. goes to show you that. So first of all, let's just talk about the environmental impact of that. I was just going to say your environment yes. impacts hydration Which, too. If hugely. anything, you know, I always look for silver linings. What COVID has taught us is that, um, mm-hmm. you know, we don't need to be such consumers. I think living at home, we've all discovered ways of of improving Absolutely. the environment. And that is one way. We need to get those plastic water bottles out of people's hands. And we don't necessarily need to drink as much water as we're drinking. Now, I don't want to stop people from drinking water at all. But um, mm-hmm. I do want to say that if you hydrate better by eating better, good healthy fats, lots of vegetables, lots of greens, you may not need to be drinking as much water as you're drinking. And you, you will find that you feel better, you're less thirsty, you're more quenched. Yes. And I, I think another marker too is if people are questioning this, I think also looking at the color of yeah. urine. Yeah. So if it's... Yeah. If you if you can talk that's about a, that, that's a great rule of thumb. Our urine is meant to be pale yellow or straw colored in the morning. That's why when we get up in the morning, it's very concentrated, so it's a little darker because you've been, you know, you've actually. That's this is a great point. When we sleep, this is another new discovery within the last ten years. This is mind blowing to me that it's when we sleep is when we do most of our detoxification. And in order to detoxify, what do you need? You need to be properly hydrated. Water. Yeah, it's that important. Hydration. Uh, the other, so, but the yeah. mind-blowing thing is that we never knew how our brains detoxified, how our brains literally got rid of garbage. 
And there is literally a whole anatomical structure that's been discovered very recently. It's called the glymphatic system. So it's the the Mm -hmm. lymph in the brain. And it was just basically hiding in plain sight that some scientists found it. And so there is this glymphatic system that takes waste out of your brain and, and moves it to where it has to go to get rid of it, the lymph system in the body. And so it's when we sleep that that does most of its work. Um, and that's why in the morning, our urine is is a, a little darker colored because it's concentrated. We've been sleeping for eight hours, hopefully, most of us trying to sleep for eight hours. And the other thing, the other caveat about that is if you're drinking so much water and you're peeing clear water, you're, that's not good. That's not good. It's meant yep. to have a little yellow color to it. Now, also another caveat, mm-hmm. if you're taking B vitamins, your urine is going to be bright yellow. And so all bets are off with that. So I have another question, and I see that, and I'll see this sometimes in with power yoga teachers, you know, yeah. hot yoga, Bikram yoga. They may be, and I know someone in particular, uh, that she is doing four, seven, maybe 10 hours, 11 hours in a hot room over mm-hmm. a few days. And that's a concern for me to be losing that yeah. much fluid sweating. Can you talk about excessive sweating and how that can be damaging? Yeah. So, well, just for her, she's somebody who really needs to maybe weigh herself pre and post session, see how much weight she's lost and replenish that with water and electrolytes. I would even suggest to her, she should be doing an electrolyte like mix or powder that has no sugar a few times a day. Like she needs good electrolytes and and she needs to to replace that water that she's somebody who probably does need to drink water, but it probably has to have electrolytes Mm -hmm. in it and not Gatorade or something like that. That's sort of garbagey. And and I'll see sometimes chronic constipation with this too. And I want to bring that up. Losing, sweating, excessive sweating. I mean, in Chinese medicine, you're just losing your essence. It's, and you don't, I mean, it's not good. So, I mean, I think that just going on what I just said, those are people. So first of all, I do think it's good to sweat. I never have been a good sweater. Oh, unfortunately, it's just like, I'm just not, there are people who are just not a good sweater. Um, You know, you are, you're getting rid of toxins when you sweat. Mm -hmm. I, I highly suggest that when you do sweat, you take a towel and brush it off yourself every so often, because some of those heavy metals and toxins can actually be reabsorbed. Yeah, so, absorbed. That's yeah, great information. Take a towel and wipe it off. But those Good. are people that do need to replenish properly. And the only way, like once mm-hmm. again, there will never be a scientific study on that single person of what's the right amount mm-hmm. to replenish replenish them. They need to know. So, mm-hmm. and the same goes for like endurance athletes, people who run really long distances and sweat a lot. There's somebody, and this is this is more to a sports medicine person would know this better than me, but you, you measure pre, you measure post, how much water did you lose? You replenish that. I would add a little electrolytes in there, um, pre and post session. Mm -hmm. So those big sweaters Mm -hmm. you need to, they probably do need to, like, there's somebody who, how do you say that person needs eight glasses of water a day or half your weight in ounces? They may need more. I don't know the answer to each person's individual. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think a big one to touch on is fatigue. Yeah. So for us, Gina and I, we really believe that that afternoon fatigue is probably the single greatest sign or symptom that you're dehydrated. And it is, um, 
before I like to say before you go and reach for sugar because you think your blood sugar is dropping in the afternoon, try hydrating mm-hmm. better. And in in the things that we ask you to do, try a green smoothie. Try front loading your water. We didn't talk about this, but let's talk about it. We're gonna well, yeah. Let's. Um, but also, yeah. I I want to tie in. Sometimes people will feel hungry, yeah. and it's a sign of dehydration. Yeah. yeah, you're actually thirsty. Yeah, your body's saying is is you know, wanting moisture. It's wanting, yeah. it's, uh, wanting to be hydrated. Let's talk about the front loading. Cause I thought that was fascinating. And I love how you also brought up and to start the day with water, with a pinch yeah. of salt and lemon. Yeah. So it, and, and, and talk about the Bedouins. And I yeah. love that how they just, the yeah. Tent, so go the into this. Yes. The tent, oh my gosh, this is, it kind of blew my mind. So That's, please share that. Gita blew my are, mind with that one too. So Bedouins yeah, are yeah. basically nomads. They're, they're desert dwellers. They, they, they roam the desert. And, and the reason that they wear those, those tented hooded robes, dark robes, is that they create basically humidifiers. They're these, you know, self-made humidifiers that within the tented robe, which is fascinating. And by the way, so the morning water, lemon, salt is becoming a thing. Like it's becoming like a bit of a movement Mm -hmm. and I love it. Um, And because it is, that's how desert people hydrate. They front load their water. So they, you know, in the morning they sort of, uh, I keep using the word quench, but they saturate their, their cells and their organs by taking big gulps of a lot of water and first thing in the morning. And we suggest adding a little bit of lemon for taste, but also for minerals and a little bit of sea salt or, or not necessarily sea salt, real salt. So you want like either I, Himalayan yeah. pink salt, Redmond. Redmond. I love that brand. Oh, yeah. I love Redmond. Yeah. Oh, Unfortunately, so the sea salt, um, there's been some research shown lately that um, it's uh, contaminated with plastics, bits of bits and pieces of plastic because our oceans are so <sighs> contaminated. I know it's, it's uh, heartbreaking. So, um, Redmond is basically rock salt from Utah, these salt mines. It's an incredible, wonderful company. Um, and if you ever do Mm -hmm. a taste test, literally take like your table salt and, and real salt and just put your finger in each and taste it. You will taste, it's remarkable, remarkable the difference in how much better real salt tastes. Um, and literally that's the brand real salt. But when I say real salt, I'm talking about any real salt and not Mm-hmm. not table salt. Table salt is basically sodium. It's garbage. There's no minerals. You want the full spectrum of minerals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so one thing that everybody can do, okay, so we talked about greens, one green smoothie a day. Uh, one other mm-hmm. thing that everybody mm-hmm. can do is 16 ounces first thing in the morning, gulp it down. Yeah. Love it. Put, it, put a Love little it. sea salt, put a little lemon. I actually have a one of those, like a water bottle on the side of my bed that has a glass on top of it that covers the opening. I fill it at night. I put my lemon in there. I put a little sea salt so that when I, before I even, my feet hit the ground, I have my water right then and there that I can. Well, that, that's interesting because I, I wake up, I take my thyroid meds two hours before yeah. I get up and that's five in the morning. So I could do that. actually Easy. take that instead of waiting and then. Yeah, do it. Great. Take your Love thyroid it. medication with yeah. the water. That's Take right it there. there with the water by my bedside and a glass, in a glass uh, 
carafe yeah, or exactly. container. Love it. And, and, and something I also want to bring up, and, and you've discussed this, I, I saw another uh, podcast uh, I saw actually with Mercola, is that tap water, even if we filter it, it's, you know, we know there's fluoride in it and different things, but even like reverse osmosis water, there's no yeah. minerals. Yeah. So, uh, and I use a Berkey water system that is charcoal based. Yeah. I really love it and also has fluoride filters, but keeps some of the minerals. Yeah. And I used to have a reverse osmosis and there's a big difference. I used to feel very thirsty with reverse you osmosis. You have to replace the minerals in it. I think that people are, yeah. Got to replace the yeah, minerals. Yeah, it's interesting. We yeah. don't talk about filters in the book because it is, it's truly is a, it's a study all in itself and you literally can mm-hmm. spend, you know, $10 or you could spend $3,000 on a purifier, water purifier. So what basic recommendations can you make to our listeners right now uh, about water? Uh, water filters or... or water yeah. filters. I mean, obviously, uh, we want to stay away from plastic. Yeah. I mean, the amount of pl- water that's even used in the production of plastic is astronomical. Yeah. But getting, you know, obviously staying away from plastics or Heinz, you know, estrogens, so what are your recommendations of the sources of water that people could be? Yeah. I mean, this is a big ask and this is really, you know, there is, um, we give a link to a great website and this is, I'm going to tell you right now, this is people going to roll their eyes and say, I'm not doing that. But if you could, then it's fantastic. There's something called findaspring.com where you can go to a spring and get your own water, fill up bottles, preferably glass bottles, but like that's, big time work, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, yeah. but that would be in an ideal world, the most fantastic thing that we can do. That's, but you know, many of us urban dwellers and those who do not have, uh, you'd be surprised that. at how close they are, these finest springs, but something to think about Not you know, that's, yeah, that is definitely eye rolling and craziness, but, <laughs> um, there is a great company called rising springs that will delivered, deliver to you natural spring water in a box that is pretty fantastic. Uh, they're growing. So I think right now the, the shipment of the boxes is still quite maybe, you know, there's not, it's not a zero carbon footprint just yet on that. So, you know, what we got is water filtering and I, in my house right now, I live in New York. We have a great water supply. I filter with just a, a regular um, filter that I have just I bought at Costco um, for now because I don't, I don't own, you know, my apartment. I don't, I don't have, I can't put a big filter underneath and, and you want to put a little salt in it every so often to get some of those electrolytes. Not every single glass of water that you, do you drink needs electrolytes. And, you know, I love Berkey filters. I think are great. Aqua, uh, Aqua true is a great filter, you know, that is a reverse osmosis. I don't like that one. No. So I would love to say I do. It just had a buildup of green algae in it. And mm. it happened a few times, and that made me very nervous. And I just did made you call me very them and ask them? Yes, why? I did. And, I let them know. Yeah. They said, "Well, it's the humidity where you live." I'm like, "Yeah, but that's not a, a good answer." So yeah. I stopped using the system. I couldn't mm. control it. Yeah, and uh, that was a big concern for me. So it might be different up in the Northeast, yeah. but down here where it's more humid in Charleston, Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that was a big concern. 
Yeah. And like I said, I, I don't have the research behind all the different water yeah. filters. Um, what I recommend people mm-hmm. to do, and I, I, I happen to love this organization. Um, it's EWG.org, mm-hmm. Environmental Working oh, Group. I love them. Yeah. They're the best. Yeah. And they yes. have, um, they have a list of water filters, um, that, you know, they talk about that maybe by mm-hmm. price, what you can afford and that kind of yes. thing. So, you know, and you know, thank God we don't live in Flint, Michigan, where we have to worry about lead in our water yeah. and that kind of thing. But there's a lot of places well, that we still do. Charleston has yeah. some of the worst water in the country. Yeah, yeah. And Aaron Brockovich came in. There was an issue in Mount Pleasant where kids were, mm. they found a large concentration of kids with, I, I think, brain cancer, brain tumors. Mm. And uh, mothers were testing the water and just found a tremendous amount of pesticides. So yeah. yeah, it can be in different areas. And that's why I think it's important. I think it's important for people to test their water from time to time and see what they have. And I'll just leave it at this. I personally, and I had the Aqua True mm-hmm. and the and the Berkey system. I think Berkey is great. I, I feel, uh, I really enjoy it. And I think it's pretty cost effective. So talk about, I thought it was very interesting. You had a case study with a woman, the flight attendant. Yeah. Do you remember her whole story? I just thought oh, it was I know very, her so well. I love that story. Yeah. Can you just share everything? I just and it's it's a typical Yeah, such that, a simple simple story. Mm-hmm. And for some reason I happen to have a lot of flight attendants from American Airlines and not not necessarily that they know each other too, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but uh, she um basically wasn't, you know, just aches and pains, fatigue, headaches, you know, the typical sort of um thinking she has fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. And I basically talked to her about the quench plan and put her on, I said, try this for five days. And by the way, airplanes are the worst. You're, you're literally in a desert in the air. It's like less than 2% um, humidity in the air. Normal is something like 60% or something. 50. Yeah. Yeah. And airplanes are, are, just horrendous. There's, and, and we all know that we're all so dehydrated at the end. So I, t- I put on the quench plan to have a green smoothie, do some chia seeds, drink front load your water, move. Um, and she started doing it. And, and then she started telling her other flight attendants and now they all like carry these little chia seeds in their pockets that to put in their water and drink them on the planes. And she's, she said it has made a huge difference in her life. And it's so simple you know, such a simple fix, but it's the idea. The other thing that I like the story I tell on the plane thing too, is that if you're on a long flight and maybe you're sitting not in the aisle and you're afraid to, to interrupt the person next to you to go to the bathroom. So remember what I said early on, we're meant to pee every two or three hours. You're on a long flight. You need to get up and pee. The other thing is you're actually doing that person a favor. You're making them get up and move and walk around. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so hydrating on a plane is uh, is really important and you need to stay on top of it. Going back to the blood clotting thing, blood clots on a plane, DBTs, deep venous thrombosis is a is an absolute risk factor because you're sitting there, but also because you're dehydrated, you're living in such a, a dry environment. And alcohol on a plane is probably the worst thing that you can do drinking while flying. It's really dehydrating. Yeah. That's probably one of the only things that I really say is drinks that are, that are dehydrating because um, people always get really excited when I talk about coffee and um, the studies now have shown that anything less than four cups of coffee is not, is not dehydrating. It's not a diuretic. 
Yeah, I know. I Anything more coffee. than four cups, oh, it becomes a I diuretic. I couldn't handle it. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I, I, I love coffee. Yeah, me too. I think it's what gets me up in the morning. My whole ritual, and if they don't have coffee in heaven, I'm not going. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Yeah. But yes, so that's yeah, that that is so good to hear. What else? Would you like to share, what do you feel are some really good gems before we close today that you'd like to share with our listeners? I think I said them. Let me say them again. So if you're new to this, so a couple of things that you should be doing. Number one is front loading your water, big, you know, eight to 16 ounces first thing in the morning, lemon, a little bit of sea salt. The second is a green smoothie a day. The third is we need to move. And I'm not talking about exercise. Like exercise is, you know, is I'm leaving that up to the coaches and the trainers and that kind of thing. I, I don't know, you know, maybe hit high intensity interval training is a good thing. I don't know, but we need to move. And I'm talking about literally when you wake up in the morning, make it up, move every single one of your joints, you know, wiggle your toes, bend your knees, move, you know, bend down shrug up your shoulders, bob your head up and down, um, make, move your fingers in and out, move your wrists, like just move and do it all day long. There's actually, one of the things we talk about in the book are these fidget studies and people who fidget or move all day long live longer than people who don't. Very interesting. Oh, that makes me feel good. Yeah. So us type A's that are always moving about, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, that it's good important. for us. Yeah. So we need to move and you need to do it a bunch of times throughout the day. So get up, walk around, move. Um, and, um, and, you know, on top of whatever you're doing for exercise, we give these little, we call them micro movements. We give actually recipes for micro movements in the book. Um, and you can make them up. A micro movement is, uh, you know, shrugging your shoulders up and down. That's a micro movement. And that's what we did. So movement is a third tip. A fourth tip is, um, believe it or not, and this is a little controversial, but um, it's going to be interesting to hear what you as an acupuncturist has to say about this. But there is very good research that shows drinking a glass of water before a meal will actually help you lose a little bit of weight. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah. So there's there's that whole thing where people get all up in arms like, oh, I can't uh, drink when I eat because it, you know, it makes your enzymes not work as well and all this stuff. I don't think there's any research behind that. There may be something to it, but get into the habit of drinking a glass of water before every meal, I think is a, is a good practice also. It's also a great way to get fluids in. For and sure. again, if you're eating and drinking water, you have the gravel in the bottom of the clay pot to keep you hydrated. Yeah. Yeah. So you're getting that plus, you're getting the actual water and the plant-based diet or plant-centric diet yeah. and obviously lean protein. And I think that, I think it's incredibly healthy. I agree. Sometimes we're told things and it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I do believe hydrating or having a glass of water before a wheel, uh, meal actually helps to uh, satiate us and help us not overeat. Yeah. 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 That is, that is the thought behind it, but there's um, real research that says you'll lose like five pounds in, in less yeah, than a year just doing yeah, that. You'll, yeah. Yes. And I've, and, and I've seen that. Yeah. So I, I think it's very important. So your book is coming out in a paperback version in January. Yeah. Very excited about that. I would love to uh, maybe have you and Gia Bria on the show at that time to 
talk more about this topic. I think it's really exciting. And also, you're, can you talk about the book you're working on right now a little? Can you share? Sure. Um, I'm working on a, an immune resiliency book. Me and my one of my mentors is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. I worked with him almost 20 years ago, and he's been a mentor to me all these years. And I invited him to write a book with me, and he accepted. And I'm, I'm beyond thrilled. And we're going to talk about sort of living in... Well, I think what the one thing that COVID, not the one thing, but one of many things that COVID has taught us, and I think now more than ever, people are really understanding that nutrition plays a role in our immunity and in our health. And never before have I seen people reach out to buy supplements than during COVID. I mean, so much so that there's no vitamin D on the shelves. There was no vitamin C to be had. It was literally, we couldn't get the raw materials to make these, these supplements and people are really understanding it. But they were also doing some of the wrong things, not really understanding what they were taking and why they were taking it and just sort of throwing everything at themselves. And so it's going to be a book on immune resiliency, how to create a resilient body. We can't, you know, viruses will come and go, but how do we, how do we become resilient to them? How do we make the most of our immune system? And that's what we're working on. I look forward to that book when it comes out. Thank you. Dana, I want to thank you so much. You provided incredible information. This this book is is so important, such a gift to all of us. It really is. Thank you. And I want to thank my listeners for joining me today. And if you have any questions, please reach out to me at megruchichi at gmail.com. You can find all my info on my website at megruchichi.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and iTunes and uh, give a five-star rating because it's an awesome show. So want to continue producing great shows and sharing wonderful information with all of you. And I will provide contact information for Dr. Dana Cohen and information where on her book when I post this podcast. So to everyone, have an amazing day. Please, when you get up tomorrow morning, start off with that big glass of water with a squeeze of lemon, a pinch of salt. You'll be doing your body a mighty good favor. Much love, much grace, and I will see everybody real soon. Take good care.